Welcome everyone to our deep dive into the fascinating world of finance and algorithms. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. And on today's episode of our podcast, we're unraveling the complexities of a groundbreaking paper titled High Order Universal Portfolios by Gabriel Turinisi. This research originates from the Ceramid Department at Université Paris-Dauphine, PSL. That's right, Jen. Today, we're going to explore why this paper is making waves in the quantitative portfolio management community. I know the word portfolio might give some folks a pause, but stick with us. We promise to make it as intuitive as possible. To give you all some contextual background, this paper builds on the foundational work of the Cover Universal Portfolio, or UP, which has a rich history of both theoretical and practical applications in finance. This concept doesn't rely on predicting future prices or any statistical assumptions and is known for asymptotically matching the performance of the best constant rebalanced portfolio, also known as the BCRP. These universal portfolios, our subject today, start to become even more interesting and complex when you think about adding them to the market as a new kind of asset. The research by Turinici posits that by doing so, and then constructing what he calls higher-order universal portfolios, or HUPs, you could potentially improve upon the already impressive performance of the conventional universal portfolio. And guess what, Tom? They found that these HUPs are not only different from the cover-up, but they also have the ability to break the time permutation invariance. I can see our listeners scratching their heads over time permutation invariance. Let me put it this way. Imagine if you jumbled up the sequence of events in the stock market. The original universal portfolio theory suggested your investment strategy wouldn't be affected. But with hops, that may no longer hold true. Stay tuned as we dissect the core objectives, methodologies, and key results of this paper to understand how these intricate systems could actually improve on something that was already considered quite efficient. And later on, we'll examine how these findings might impact financial strategies and marketplace dynamics. We'll answer the big question. Could these high-order universal portfolios truly offer better investment solutions? To wrap things up, we will circle back for a recap and share our personal reflections on the paper and its broader implications in the world of finance. So, without further ado, let's get into the meat of it, shall we? Kicking it off with some key concepts, we need to understand what a universal portfolio is. It's a portfolio strategy that reallocates asset weights over time to ideally match the growth of the best possible portfolio you could have had looking back. The fascinating part is that it doesn't need to predict the market to do this, which is frankly a bit mind-bending. Absolutely, Jen. Before we unravel this research further, we'll need to define some terms like price relatives, constant rebalanced portfolio, and simplex. All of these play crucial roles in how these portfolios operate, so understanding them is crucial. Price relatives are essentially the returns of the assets, and a constant rebalanced portfolio is where the proportions of your investments are realigned continuously to adhere to a fixed strategy. A simplex is a mathematical space that helps manage the distributions of investments across the portfolio. Right. Now let's move to a high-level overview of the paper's methodology. Tom, why don't you walk us through the research's objectives before we get into the details of their method? With pleasure, Jen. 
The primary aim here was to investigate whether constructing higher-order UPs would yield a portfolio that differs from the first-order UP created by cover. For example, they wanted to see if you add a UP to a market as a synthetic asset, then create a new UP including this synthetic asset, could you improve the market performance? And the way they've gone about answering these questions is by recursive construction. That means they're building the heap step-by-step, step, adding the UP from the previous step as a new asset for the next. Numerically, they tested these hops against what's called benchmarks from existing literature, which are standardized scenarios used for comparison. But what's really striking here is the implication that by iteratively including previous UPs as assets in a new UP, we might break the shackles of time invariance and leverage temporal market patterns in a way traditional UPs just can't. If that's true, Jen, the impact could be enormous. It could mean a whole new way of constructing portfolios that adapt dynamically, not just to the assets themselves, but to the rhythm of the market. And of course, this brings us to the conclusion. The initial findings seem promising. Hoops appear to indeed offer distinct advantages and importantly, may not succumb to time permutation invariance like their cover-up counterparts. Finally, our personal take on this matter, Jen. This paper could represent a significant leap forward in our understanding and execution of portfolio management, and it potentially cracks open the door to a future where investment strategies are influenced by these higher-order portfolios. I couldn't agree more, Tom. It's papers like these that push the envelope of what we believe is possible in finance. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode and came away with a deeper understanding and perhaps a newfound appreciation for the complex yet profound world of universal portfolios. That's it for today's episode. Please share with us your thoughts and don't forget to subscribe for more content like this. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you all soon on the next episode of our award-winning podcast. Are you tired of playing the same old chess? Are your pawns yawning and your knights napping? Well, buckle up, chess fans. Introducing Checkmate Nomi's Co., where each game is a magical melee and your bishops are bearded wonders of whimsy. That's right, Jen. It's not just a checkered board. It's a battlefield of the bizarre. Behold our no mazing monarchs and titter at the two cute toadstools. With Checkmate Nomi's Co., it's where gnome kings reign and pawns mushroom up. Say goodbye to stalemates and hello to snail knights. Ever seen a gnome queen sabotage with a sunflower scepter? Now you can. Plan your strategy in the most unexpected fairyland fray. And don't forget, each gnome is handcrafted to perfection, ready to conquer your heart and your backyard tournaments. Make every game a storybook showdown and let your gnomies outsmart, outmaneuver, and outcute your dullest garden decorations. Checkmate Gnomies Co., where every checkmate comes with a giggle and every game ends with a gnome hat tip. Get your set today and turn your lawn into a chessboard kingdom. Join the ranks of gnome tacticians and give your garden gnomes a chance to reign supreme. Don't just play chess, live a fantastic fable with every move. Checkmate, fair competitors, and may the best gnome win. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast, where today Jen and I will dive deep into a fascinating study that examines human behavior during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right, Tom. The paper we're discussing today is called Do We Listen to What We Are Told? 
an empirical study on human behavior during the COVID-19 pandemic, neural networks versus regression analysis. It seems like a mouthful, but stick with us because there's a lot to unravel. To give you some context, this study is significant because it looks at how well people followed public health directives like mask wearing by analyzing visual data from Vienna during 2020 using object detection-based convolutional neural networks, or CNNs, regression analysis, and multilayer perceptrons, or MLPs. That's the technical side of things, Tom. To break down the vocabulary, object detection-based CNNs are a type of artificial intelligence techniques that can identify and classify objects within images, in this case, masks on people's faces. And regression analysis is a statistical method to model and analyze the relationships between variables. Here, it's used to explore potential causal pathways behind people's mask-wearing behavior. Multilayer perceptrons, or MLPs, are another form of machine learning, but slightly different from CNNs. They're good at classifying data that is not linearly separable, which means it can't be neatly divided by a straight line. The study's objectives revolved around determining if and how public health policy, such as government regulations and public transport announcements, affected mask-wearing compliance. In their methodology, the researchers used state-of-the-art technology, the YOLO V5 artificial intelligence, to process street interview videos for mask detection. It's fascinating how they translated visual data into meaningful behavior analytics. Absolutely, Jen. They fed this data into two neural networks. Ada recognized different mask-wearing behaviors, and John predicted future behavior based on inputs from the regression analysis. The results were pretty significant. Turns out both government regulations and public transport announcements had an encouraging effect on correct mask wearing. And when it came to predictive power, the study found neural networks were better forecasters than traditional regression models. This shows a potential path forward for public health modeling and policymaking, Jen. That brings us to the implications of this study. It could lead to more effective non-pharmaceutical interventions in future public health emergencies. Messaging, platform choice, timing, these study results could help optimize them all. To wrap it up, this paper's work is incredibly relevant. It demonstrates the power of technology in public health and behavioral science. Our ability to rapidly communicate and quantitatively study policies' effectiveness can be life-saving. Right, Tom. This study reminds us of the big picture, that advancements in AI and machine learning can and should be utilized to understand and improve human health behaviors. And who knows what new insights future research will bring with even more extensive data sets. It's been a thought-provoking episode indeed. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you've learned something new about the intersection of public health policy, human behavior, and technology. Until next time, stay curious and keep questioning. Goodbye, everyone. Are you tired of your bathroom looking like a dingy cave instead of a dazzling grotto? Well, have no fear, because Goblinbeard's Glittery Grout is here to transform your sad shower into a sparkling sensation. With a wave of their grout wand and a sprinkling of secret pixie dust, your tiles will twinkle like the night sky. Goblinbeard's artisans mix practicality with a pinch of fantasy ensuring your grout lines glimmer with a magic only a goblin could concoct. So say goodbye to mundane mortar and hello to spectacular shimmer.
and for a limited time, tell them Tom and Jen sent you and receive a complimentary vial of after-shower sparkle spray. That's right. Not only will your grout be glorious, but also your entire bathroom will beam with mythical merriment. Trust Goblin Beard to bring the brilliance of a dragon's lair right to your powder room. Don't let your bathroom be boring. Let it glisten with Goblin Beard's glittery grout. Call or conjure a message today and take the first step to a glittering abode with Goblin Beard. Sparkly bathrooms are just a goblin's touch away. Welcome to today's episode of our award-winning podcast, where we dive deep into the fascinating world of machine learning in finance. That's right, Tom. Today's episode revolves around the intriguing paper titled Curriculum Learning and Imitation Learning for Model-Free Control on Financial Time Series. We have a lot to unpack here, Jen. This paper sits at the intersection of machine learning, control theory, and finance. It's quite significant because it leverages curriculum learning and imitation learning in the financial domain, a space traditionally dominated by human expertise. Indeed. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, let's provide some contextual background. The importance of optimizing investment portfolios can't be overstated, given that the total assets under management have skyrocketed to the $100 trillion mark. This makes investment decisions a critical area of research. However, the field has a major roadblock. The data-generating process for financial markets is fixed and highly stochastic. Unlike in robotics, where you can simulate data or collect more samples over time, financial time series data is constrained by the arrow of time. And that's where the key concepts of this paper come into play. Curriculum learning, or CL, involves starting with easier learning tasks and progressing to harder ones, much like a human learning process. And then there's imitation learning, or IL. As the name suggests, it involves imitating the behavior of an expert, dubbed the oracle in the paper. Both these approaches are well-established in the robotics domain, but are rarely explored in the financial sector. Let's also touch upon model-free, which essentially means that the methods discussed don't make assumptions about the underlying financial model. This is important because the financial world is inherently complex and often defies simple modeling. Now moving to the core of our discussion. The paper aims to implement these approaches theoretically and empirically in the context of complex financial time series data using reinforcement learning, or RL for short. They use data augmentation for curriculum learning, while imitation learning is done through policy distillation from the oracle. This means they're trying to learn the best actions to take in trading scenarios without explicit models, copying strategies from a hypothetical perfect trader. Key findings suggest that curriculum learning could be a novel way to improve performance in financial control tasks over complex time series. But caution is needed with imitation learning due to potential limitations. Now the implications of these findings could be huge. Enhanced decision-making models can lead to potentially better investment strategies, optimized portfolios, and overall improved financial management. Financial experts and machine learning researchers alike will find these results very impactful. Finally, our conclusion. This paper sheds light on new directions in the application of machine learning to financial time series. Curriculum learning appears promising, while imitation learning has its pros and cons. We're sure this paper will spark further research and discussions on the use of machine learning for financial decision-making. 
It's fascinating to see such interdisciplinary approaches being explored, Tom. It certainly is, Jen. And that wraps up our detailed discussion on this paper. As always, we'll keep an eye on how these findings evolve and impact the field of financial machine learning. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode, where we'll continue to explore the intersection of technology and finance. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Have you ever wanted to soar through the stars while playing a killer sax solo? Wait, no need to enroll in astronaut school for that, Tom. Right you are, Jen. With Stellar Tunes and Horns, Inc., you can blast off with their galaxy-famous saxophones. Picture this. You, floating in zero-G, hitting those high notes on the Andromeda aria while a shooting star passes by. Or maybe you're more of a cosmo-soprano kind of musician, playing a tune so catchy, even the man on the moon can't help but tap his foot. And don't worry about gasping for air after you're out of this world solo. Every purchase comes with a free space helmet. Plus, never fret about a spacewalk to get lessons. Stellar Tunes and Horns, Inc. offers hologram professors to teach you the ways of interstellar jazz. So, if you're looking to jazz up your life with notes that twinkle like the stars, visit Stellar Tunes and Horns, Inc. Where your sax life is literally unlimited, just like the universe. Stellar Tunes and Horns, Inc. Music that's truly together out of this world. Now, let's get back to our podcast, where we don't need helmets to take your breath away with our conversations. Thank you for joining us on this informative journey through the world of randomization and moral hazard in contract theory. In today's episode, we've delved deep into the paper randomization with moral hazard, a path to existence of optimal contracts by Daniel Krushek and Dylan Posamai. We began by setting the stage with an introduction to the principal agent problem, a key concept in microeconomics and its continuous time formulation. Our exploration took us through the key concepts such as moral hazard, relaxed controls, and martingale measures. And we discussed how these elements come together in the paper. Our core discussion focused on the paper's objectives, methodology, and key findings. We learned how the authors introduced a framework allowing the agent to use measure-valued controls and characterize the continuation utility with backward stochastic differential equations. This breakthrough led to the proof that an optimal solution to the principal's problem exists, even with constraints, by leveraging compactification techniques. Next, we delved into the implications and potential applications of these findings in the field of contract theory. And in our conclusion, we summarized the main points of the paper and reflected on the broader relevance of the existence of optimal con contracts when faced with the complexities of moral hazard. It's been a complex topic, but we hope we provided an intuitive understanding of this dynamic area of economic research. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, and we hope you found this episode as enlightening as we did. Stay curious and keep exploring the vast landscape of economic theories and applications. Until next time. And now a word from our sponsor, Chrono Anchor Temporal Tethering Inc., where it's always yesterday's tomorrow, today. Have you ever been so embarrassed that you wished the ground would swallow you up? Well, what if I told you the ground doesn't have to? You can simply rewind and try again. That's right, Jen. Thanks to Chrono Anchor's temporal tethers, 
That date with the in-your-teeth spinach situation can be wiped cleaner than your dental record. And don't worry about ripping the fabric of space-time. Our patented tech is as safe as watching reruns on your couch, but way more thrilling. Want to relive that concert where the lead singer actually touched your hand? With Chrono Anchor, you can be that screaming fan over and over and over again. But be warned, overuse may cause you to forget what year it is. Is it 2023 or 1923? Who knows, but that flapper dress is suddenly in style. Not responsible for any temporal tan lines you may develop from vacationing in the same week twice. Chrono Anchor Temporal Tethering Ink, because who doesn't love a good throwback Thursday? On a Monday? Head to chronoanchor.com and anchor your memories. Because who needs the present when you've got an all-access pass to the past? Welcome to our podcast, everyone. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we're diving into a paper that's making waves in the world of finance and risk management. The title's a mouthful. Fast Calculation of Counterparty Credit Exposures and Associated Sensitivities Using Fourier Series Expansion. Yep, you heard that right. We're talking Fourier series, folks. Don't worry if you're scratching your heads. We've got you covered. This paper introduces a novel method to compute credit exposures with the kind of efficiency that the financial industry has been seeking for ages. That's right. Since the credit crisis back in 2007-2008, managing counterparty credit risk, or CCR, has been a hot topic for banks dealing with over-the-counter derivatives. They use measures like potential future exposure, or PFE, and expected exposure, or EE, to quantify and price these risks. And while Monte Carlo simulation methods have been the traditional go-to, they're, well, slow. Enter the Fourier series expansion method. Borrowed originally from the world of option pricing, this technique is a game-changer for calculating exposures quickly and accurately, especially for large portfolios. Absolutely, Tom. What the authors have done is they've taken this well-established math tool and adapted it for determining the probabilities tied to financial exposures. This is huge because it provides theoretical stability, speed, and addresses the complexity of portfolio compositions. Now, Jen, for our listeners who aren't math whizzes, a Fourier series is a way to describe complex periodic functions using sines and cosines. In finance, you can use them to model the behavior of investments over time. And when you apply that to CCR models, you get an efficient way to evaluate a broad range of models where you can crunch the numbers on risk factors analytically or semi-analytically. What's more, their tests with real-size portfolios show that this method blows traditional Monte Carlo simulations out of the water. We're talking up to 100 times faster. As for accuracy, the convergence rates how quickly an approximating sequence gets to its final value, line up neatly with the theoretical expectations. That's right, Tom. They also tested portfolios involving interest and foreign exchange products. Apparently, the method works wonders for portfolios that revolve around a modest number of risk factors. So what does that mean for the field, Jen? Well, it's a leap forward in efficiency and practicality. The paper highlights a path away from the so-called computational curse of large portfolios. Definitely. Though, they mention that significant challenges remain, especially when you introduce more complex factors or need to consider things like collateral. But they're planning a follow-up to tackle these issues. Now let's have a quick recap, shall we? 
This paper presents an extension of the Fourier series method for speedy and precise computation of CCR metrics like PFE and EE, along with sensitivities. They offer a theoretical error analysis, illustrate the method's capabilities through tests, and propose it as a promising alternative to the Monte Carlo method, particularly for portfolios with fewer risk factors. The implications are significant. If the financial industry adopts this method, we could see seismic shifts in the speed and accuracy of risk assessment for over-the-counter derivatives. And we can't wait to see how this method evolves. There's mention of a follow-up paper to further break the curse of dimensionality, and we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for that. So that's a wrap on this revolutionary piece of research. It might just reshape the way the financial sector operates when it comes to CCR calculation. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes where we break down the complex into the understandable. Thanks for joining us today. We hope we've cleared up some of the fog around Fourier series and CCR measures. And remember, when it feels like you're lost in a sea of financial jargon and mathematical models, we're here to throw you a lifeline. Until next time, keep questioning and stay curious. Are you ready to get your tentacles on the most otherworldly dining experience this side of the Milky Way? Then strap in for Orbital Octopus Space Taco Takeover. It's not just sushi, it's an interstellar sensation. Picture this, giant floating octopuses gracefully gliding through their zero-gravity pens, ripe for the picking. And talk about fresh. These octopuses are so space-savvy they volunteer onto the chopping block. Or should I say, the floating block? Try the cosmic curry, spicy enough to make a supernova sweat. Or the meteorite miso, with flavors that'll hit you like a comet. And for the garlic lovers, galactic garlic that's been marinated in the void of space itself. Our chefs? Oh, have been trained in the ancient art of asteroid slicing and cosmic rolling. Plus, don't miss out on our zero-gravity cooking classes, where you'll learn to roll sushi that'll make you the star of any space station. So if you're looking for a meal that's out of this world, Tom and Jen, it's time for an orbital octopus space taco takeover. Disclaimer. No actual octopuses are harmed in space. They're raised in cuddly comfort, pampered with the finest asteroid algae. So dock your spaceship at our Orbital Aqua Station and dine with the stars. Orbital Octopus Space Taco Takeover. It's sushi that's simply celestial.